Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, and it's week seven college football dream preview with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, on a winning streak, Brad Powers. To my right, these are the 24th Pythons. The largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy. Ken Thompson, I'm R.J. Val. Listen, we're keeping it simple. We were no nonsense. Someone on Twitter goes, R.J. said no fun. We're winning. All right, number one, Alabama, 16 and a half. It's down a tick at Texas A&M. Ken, you like it? I do, and I like College Station, and I'm giving Kellamon one more mulligan here. So you got A&M. I got A&M. I got A&M, the 12th man, and the biggest game of the year. This is a playoff-type game for A&M. Why? Because they're going to make a crummy bowl game at best, but if they can beat Alabama, that salvages the whole season. Jimbo Fisher, a big-game coach. I like him there, and I also think the crowd's going to be into this game. I'm not sold on Bama's defense. Ever since they lost their two best linebackers, Moses and McMillan, to knee injuries, they just haven't looked like Bama's defense. In fact, realistically, RJ, every year I go back, I think of Alabama's defense. There was always at least one or two guys that you knew the name, household name. This year, don't know anybody. In fact, you ask anybody off the street, unless they're from Tuscaloosa, they're not going to know anybody on Alabama. Of course, Brad will, but that's Mr. Yeah. College knowledge. So what I'm hearing here is you've got three main points. You went through them pretty quick. Home field advantage, you think because of the intensity of the game, the prioritization mm-hmm. for the A&M team and fans, it's going to be that 12th man plus. Okay. Kelly Mond. Kellen. 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 Right. I call him Kelly because he's not real macho. Sure. Kelly or Kellen Mond, Mr. Mond. <laughs> I'm not a player guy, yeah. I can't lie, especially in college. I just win. Now, what's your thinking? Because he's had one tough game so far, and it wasn't good, right? Right. wasn't so- good, but, it, but last year he played Clemson at home. They only lost by two points, and I like that Kellen Mond. If I could see that guy in this game, I think A&M has a chance to be right there at the end of this game within one score. And then Jimbo Fisher is a big game coach. I like Jimbo Fisher, and he's not going to be intimidated by Nick Saban. He's going to have his guys prepared all those years with Florida State. I think he'll have the team ready. Question is now, can Mon get up on that pedestal and deliver? Yeah, so what I'm going to be interested in, we should do a little study on this, is what's Jimbo Fisher's profile as a dog and as, you know, let's say even a, a favorite less than a touchdown. Because in these competitive, I mean, by definition, the spread – with a good team, meaning if you're a crappy team, you're going to be a dog in a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. Not going to be a lot of criteria as a double-digit dog, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, true enough. Um, was, what was Jimbo's coaching before Florida State? No, that was his first coaching job. He, he was the head, head coaching job. waiting. Yep. So the three main things. And then Ken went off, and I, we, I hadn't heard him talk about this, about the Alabama defense. Brad, what's your main point on this game? Yeah, that's why I lean with <laughs> A&M is on the Alabama defense. I don't trust it. And I'll just go to the last game. This is against Ole Miss. Ole Miss starting a true freshman quarterback. First start on the road. Alabama gives up 476 yards, 
31 points and 280 rushing yards. It was the second consecutive SEC game against a true freshman quarterback that Alabama gave up the backdoor touchdown late in the game. Now they're playing an experienced quarterback in Kelamon. That's why I'm leaning here with AM. Don't trust the Alabama defense. I'd make a strong case, RJ, the eye test, and, and even statistically, it's the worst Alabama defense Saban's had since his first year back in 2007. So literally from 2008 on, this is the worst Alabama defense. Yep. yep. Wow. Okay. But still the best team in the country. Still the well, I mean their offense. It's the best offense. Still the best team still in the country. The best I know team. answering straight is yes, tough. Still the best. Wow. What would your line be? And we've talked about this a little bit. And Ken, I want you can tell me just got who you take in this. Alabama, Ohio State. Alabama two and a half. Where you got, Ken? I'm taking Ohio State. I'm sticking with them. They got off to a slow start last week, but I'm. I'm I hope the shout last week wasn't a wasn't a uh, a bad performance to you. No, well, you the know the fact they, that he hey, seems to have won money is a sign of what kind of optimism yeah. the Buckeyes are generating. Well, money off him, right? I, both I, you guys I, I won did. money off. I watched the game back, and at the beginning of the game too, there were a couple passes that fields through that you know literally so just he wasn't missed perfect. Been, right, exactly. <laughs> But he was still darn good and good enough to cover a big spread like that. Who beats Michigan State by 24? Not too many teams. Buckeyes. I expected it. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have a high state this week? We do not. They're on a bye. Okay. Brain dump on us because we've done this work together. Whose idea was it originally? I can't. About the second half? Uh, R.J. Bell. After week one. He started getting on Ohio State after week one, after their only non-cover of the season. It just felt weird they were up 28 nothing. Yeah, and Coach Day didn't feel a need to run it up. That means you're strong. You know, M- Milton Burrow said only enough to win. Yep. Do either of you guys get that reference? Mm-mm. Look it up on the internet without the kids, though. Okay. <laughs> it's not safe for work. <laughs> just, just enough to win. Tell us these Ohio State numbers. They're interesting. So what we did was we looked at Ohio State's margin in the first half compared to the second half and compared it to similar teams in the modern day of college football and by modern day last 10 years. So we looked at everyone that's won between 40 and 50 points, which is right around the the scoring margin that Ohio State has this year. Which is exactly 45 points per game. That's about a little bit less than that. Well, their, their winning margin is at 40. 40. So what I did, and I did, redid the study between, and it was 35 and 45. Okay. But the numbers were almost identical. Yeah. So Ohio State was getting the margin, uh, almost 70, a little more than 70% of their margin in the first half of these games. Compared to the other teams, they were getting 60% of their margin in the first half. So there's a big difference. Everyone's looking at the final scores and saying, oh, Ohio State's running up. No, they're not, especially compared to other teams in similar spots. And actually, to get to, and, and I think the more logical way to look at it is how many points are they scoring in the second half, and the other teams that win by this margin on average are 40% in the second half, and Ohio State was only getting 30%. Yeah. You might say, okay, what's that difference? Ohio State would have had to score seven, slightly more actually, than seven additional points every game. Now, that would have increased their ATS margin by 42 points, six times seven. Their ATS margin is, what, 104 now on the season? 104, yep. And it's number one. Number one, 17 and, points a game. And number two was what? How many points? 15, Wisconsin. Okay. So they would have went from, you know, just having the best margin to adding another 40 <laughs> points. It would have been another – their margin would have been 24, right? That's so, amazing. 
Imagine an ATS margin of 24 if they had just scored as many points in the second half as the typical team. So if anything, they're not running it up. They're 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 being generous and gentle to the lesser man. And it makes me almost want to play the under in the second half because they're not Ooh. giving up any points. That's true. Wow. Uh, that is that. Now that is a Ken savvy point. There. It was seven nothing against Michigan State. That was your second half score. Seven nothing Ohio State. Okay, Brad. Now you lean A and M. Ken likes A and M, but this does fit into the wheelhouse of Nick Saban when we do the spread profile. Yeah, it does. So Nick Saban, this is one instance where he's profitable when he's laying between ten. Well, first off, when you say one instance, one of many. One of many. Well, I mean, we have five different ones. Which is ATS since the first year? It's like 57%. How many teams have a better one in that? Not many, if any. So, yes, very profitable. Very profitable. This is one of them. When he's laying between 10 and 19 and a half points, he's covered 59% of the time at Alabama since his first season, 2007. 59%. And if we look at the adjacent... And we say, oh, well, 20 to 29 and a half has a similar qualities, right? Yeah, 71%. That's another one of his profitable. Yes. But you're you're fine. You're just fading it. (laughs) Lean, not a light. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Ken, does that worry you? You're betting against Saban? Always worries me if I bet against Saban. But at the end of the day, I got to look at the defense and say, not a good defense without Moses and McMillan. Two guys that, RJ, if they had those guys, I, I think there'd be separation between them and even Clemson. And even Ohio State. Because what would that Clemson-Ohio State line be? Clemson won. I'd be betting the Buckeyes. Oh, I'd be betting the Buckeyes big. <laughs> I'd be backing guy. up the Brink truck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last thing. Research knocked us out, Ken. So, we sh- again, we want to provide comprehensive info. Jimbo at Florida State, an underdog role was six, seven, and one. Not great. But at AM, against the spread as a dog, four and one. I think it makes sense at Florida State, off of decades of success, you don't need confidence when you're an underdog. You might be mad, you might whatever, as a team, feeling underappreciated. But at AM, with their recent history pre Jimbo, they needed confidence. Here's a guy, I've been there, boys. And four and one as a dog makes sense to me. So yeah, Jimbo, I'll I think, is, is including an asset. a cover against Alabama last year, a cover against Clemson last year, and a cover against Clemson this year. Is that, that right? Yeah. So the so last three of them. That's three of the four covers. Sweet. <laughs> Next game, Georgia. By the way, I'd never bet against Saban unless it's in one of the spots where he's a loser, which is one spot. So we tell that every week. So this would be like one of those you got to listen every week to fill out. We've given it a couple times. If you're new, buckle up. Georgia, South Carolina. Oh, wait. Fake Fezzik had a take. I'm going to step outside for a second. Brad mentioned it late. It should have been mentioned earlier. A&M has had success staying close against Bama recently. Lost by 22 and 8 in 19 the last three years, 2-1 and one against the spread, 66.666667%. <laughs> Sample size three. Now, A&M, they did cover against Clemson, but did not impress these eyes, these foreign alien-type eyes. You might think I'm from another planet. That is, those rumors are untrue. 
It took the final drive, an all-in, to get the backdoor cover. Now, you might say, how could an all-in be when it's a backdoor cover? Don't question me on those things. And otherwise, Clemson has been unimpressive. Brad says they're the second-best team in the country. I think, ah, doesn't fit my handicap. Unimpressive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Fake Fezzik. I'm back. Um, Brad, that A&M backdoor cover, was that the game where they were calling timeout? Like, yeah. Explain yeah. that, because to me, if anyone ever wonders how much these coaches care about covering this is a great example yeah so Texas A&M final drive of the game against Clemson they're losing by three touchdowns there's like final minute of the game but wasn't there decisions they made with absolutely what I'm saying where they might have had a one percent chance to win the game yep but they did things that made it Less than that. Well, they but also, it helped them get one. Score. And also, they also made sure that A and M had the final possession of the game, so they were going to score late. That that's the way they played that drive. It was a very time consuming six minute all in drive, like Fez says. And yes, in the final twenty seconds, even though in a game that no chance of winning, they're down twenty one. Jimbo Fisher calls two timeouts in the final twenty seconds, which I appreciate that. I, I do mean, too. you want to get your I had A and M. What doesn't matter. That's good. What doesn't make sense is you're not going fast, even though it might hurt your chance of scoring this one time, but it increases the chance you're going to get three scores, Yep. which is small, but still greater than zero. But if you try to score at the end of a game, you should try to score at the end of the game. Absolutely. All in. Two and one. (laughs) By the way, I'm passing the game. (laughs) Fezzik passes. He passed that game? Yeah. Oh, jeez. He, I guess he yeah. know. I mean, who knows? It's hard to decipher. He might have been better just saying pass instead of sample size three sixty six point six six seven. I'm sure there was some embellishment there. No. How? Well, first off, fake Fezzik has total. I mean, it was in his contract. He has total creative control of his <laughs> part of it. So, I mean, what am I gonna say? I mean, I don't want to deal with the real Fezzik. He's too tough. Fake Fezzik. He seems like he's from another planet. Next game, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh Uh-oh. A double like, Brad and fake Fezzik. Brad, you start. I like South Carolina here for three main reasons. Number one, Georgia. If you bet Georgia last week, hey, you cashed your ticket. Congratulations. I'm here to tell you, you shouldn't have. A couple of very key plays in the final five minutes of the game. Tennessee's driving first off. Quarterback gets hit, 60-yard fumble return touchdown the other way for Georgia. And that was the first time all game Georgia was covering the spread at that so, point. So, Brad, one of the things we've explored over the years now is how the the athletic teams, the superior teams, tend to get these lucky plays, and we'll put luck in quotes. True. Fumble returns. Instead of just 10 yards, their guy's fast enough to take it to the house. Yep. Kick returns, et cetera. Yep. How do you balance that? It's tough. Uh, it's, obviously, it's complex. Well, I mean, there's there's bad turnovers and there's good turnovers. In this instance, Georgia caused it. It was a guy coming off a blitz and he just crushed the the small quarterback. But I'll say the luck factor. If you watch this play, because it was on a lot of highlight reels, the guy would have been tackled. The referee got in the way, and the defender ended up tackling the referee. It's kind of a, a nice little blooper. Otherwise, Georgia could have just had one first down, ran out the clock. You wouldn't have covered. But Tennessee, despite all oh, that, so this was late in the game. Late in the game. All right, so that brings up an interesting point. You're saying that if they recover 
but don't go all the way, they probably don't score. Yeah, if they get one first down, the clock's going to run out. All right, so that's more than just pointing something in the second quarter that was some fumble yes. return, which no. is what Fezzik will do. Yes. So your theory is when people cover with a team, they don't really ask questions. Yeah. I won. Yeah. And you're saying any optimism for Georgia wasn't sated or it wasn't diminished because they covered. Yep. And on top of that, Tennessee still had a chance. First and goal at the five. All right, we got it. It was a tight cut. All right, fair Continue. enough. Continue. That was after that. Number two reason for me. The is, wind was blowing. <laughs> I like the, the the situation here, particularly for South Carolina who's coming off a bye. But I like the situation that I saw from South Carolina prior to the bye. It was South Carolina's best performance of the season. A nice 17-point win over a Kentucky team they hadn't beaten in six years. And I saw a lot of optimism, and Mule Muschamp, their head coach after the game, said, hey, finally things are clicking, and now you get an extra week to prep for here. I like South Carolina here, plus the 24-and-a-half. And why is the extra week better for them? Especially when you got a young quarterback. So, Halinski, the quarterback, was kind of— Because, th- because the assumption is everyone gets buys, the yep. market knows it. You always got to ask yourself this question. If the public knows something and you hear a handicapper say this is a factor— Unless you explain why the public isn't interpreting this known data, you're just spitting crap. It's a buy. Okay, we all know it. It's October. Okay, what does that mean? You're saying there's a bigger reason. Yeah, and it's all about their true freshman quarterback. Keep in mind, they didn't choose this true freshman to be their starter like other teams across the country this year, like your Auburns, your Arizona States. He was thrown into the mix because of an injury to the starter, Jake Bentley. So really, has this true freshman had a chance to to, take a breath? Since, you know, the start of the season when he was thrown in. Plus, if he got stuff to work on. Exactly. Extra time to prep, very advantageous here for South Carolina. And you see this in the NFL. When they make a quarterback change that's planned, they often will wait for a bye week. That's what the uh, Ravens did with Lamar. All right, so Faye Fezzik likes Carolina. We're going to go to Ken first. You lean? South Carolina. I lean South Carolina plus the points. And I like the bye for the aspect where Holinsky had a banged-up elbow, the quarterback gives them an extra week to prepare. Same thing with Rico Dowdell. The running back was banged up. Both those guys have already been declared probable. Smith, a very good receiver, the number two guy next to Brian Edwards, he still questionable, but I think he's going to go. So the bye week came at the right time for them. The reason I don't have it as a like, RJ, is because I respect Georgia between the hedges. I saw what they, I saw what they did to Arkansas State, dismantled that team, even when the coach was coming in for the uh, loss of his wife, and they were going to honor the coach for the opposing <laughs> team who lost his what wife to cancer. What are you laughing cancer. at? Well, I mean, I believed in all that, so the, I'm not laughing that you know, that it's a funny situation. It was like I believed in all that. Hey, they're you know, George is going to take it easy on this right. team. You know, the 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 opposing coach, his wife died of cancer. They all dressed up in pink and everything, and not a laughing matter. But I believed in all that, and the final score was fifty five nothing. Yeah. Hey, slave, if you ever clip anything <laughs> up, ever put the gold star by that. This is Jackie Martland style where they they had to fake it with Jackie where they would say an airline went down and 200 died and he had his laugh on tape and go he'd go, hee, 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 hee. Brad, it's, it's not even fake. And when I play it for the next 10 years, I'm going to always ask him, right. is, has this been doctored in any way? And I'm about to say no. No. <laughs> so, Ken, last question <laughs> So you were talking, did you finish your point about the the circumstances around the well, game? Yeah, in between the hedges, though, Georgia just, they're just a solid team. But I think that, they, no. Solid. Yeah, 
RJ, I You've think got them what? Fourth or fifth now, right? Fifth now. Right, yeah. right behind LSU and Ohio State yes. in the two. Okay. But there's almost a, a, a difference in Georgia as far as they expect to win now. They used to try to win to make sure they could be in the conversation with Alabama. Now they expect to win because they've gotten to the playoff to where it looks like some of these games, and the Notre Dame game's another one where they're rather conservative. They win, they end up getting a W, but they only win by six points. I think Georgia's just kind of going through these games. They're not looking to run it up, RJ. I think they're looking to get out of there, make sure everybody's healthy, and just move on to the next one to set themselves up for that SEC championship game and another shot at a playoff. So desire for margin is such a key concept when you have a big favorite like this, 24 and a half. How much do they want margin? They want to win. They want to win easily. You're saying since Georgia under Coach Smart, they're used to winning, and they have a longer-term goal. It felt like Georgia used to be, like you said, more focused on impressive wins in September. They seem to fall short in the big, big games. Now – it's no guarantee they're going to do well in the big games. They don't seem as interested in margin. Yeah. Which is great to, for South Carolina. Get through it. Yeah, exactly. But you only lean South Carolina, and that's just out of, I guess you're saying no margin. Like, what is it that causes this not to be a like for South Carolina? Just respect for Georgia in general? Yeah, so, because, because of that one game that I watched at home where they just continued to put it on Arkansas State, and they just couldn't help themselves. They just Kept scoring. It's almost like a Wisconsin thing with Georgia's offensive line. They're so much bigger than the other team. They're not trying to ball. You know, they're just running in the line, but they're so much bigger physical than the other team. And even when they bring in the second or third string running back, and Georgia's very deep at that position, they're still getting you know long touchdowns. RJ only one sack this year. Georgia's given up. Very impressive. Okay, but but Brad, you like this? Yep. Even though Georgia can. That's kind of scary if I got the dog and say, well, you know, if they're going to take a snap, they can't help but scoring. That scares me. You just think South Carolina is good enough that maybe this whole uh, lust or appetite for margin is more about lines that are 35. Yeah. Spreads that are 35 than 24 and a half. Yes. Okay. And Ken's kind of going both ways. On one hand, he doesn't think they have an appetite. On the other hand, they're so good that they tend to, or physically in the middle, they tend to score even in blowouts. And thus, you don't like the game. That makes sense. And again, people might say, oh, he's saying it both ways. Hey, oftentimes, the data, the history points you in both directions, even with one concept. Will Georgia run it up? That could be a 10-minute discussion. But not for today. (laughs) Who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot-dogging in? You, man. But not Georgia, because they don't need that anymore, right? They owe the ego. Well, now, the double like, here it comes. Okay, let's clear up some fuzzy thinking. Brad, you were talking about how South Carolina did last game. They were three-point favorites against Kentucky and won by 17, right? Forget about that. Now, humans might think, you know... Most recent game, they, it was a big win. Public's going to be on them. I don't think so. I'm going to go back the week before that. <laughs> and I'm going to say, if you can remember, with your limited brains, if you can remember that South Carolina, I think, is undervalued because of the game against Missouri. Now, I know it's been three weeks ago. <laughs> but in that game, they lost by 20. Yep. No. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> 
They only trailed by three midway through the third. They were driving, and then there was a 100-yard pick six. Yep. Now do the math. Seven plus seven, that's a 14-point swing. They lost by 20. Minus 14 is six. What was the line in that game? Ten. Cover. Yep. So the game, to me, the main handicap here, South Carolina is underrated because three weeks ago, they didn't cover a game, and they should have because of pick six. Like South Carolina. <laughs> What'd you think of that, Brad? Uh, I mean, a I, lot of people yeah. wouldn't go three weeks back. Not, not your general public. And ignore the much bigger win. Yeah. But Fezzik did. <laughs> That's why he's Fez. Or fake Fezzik. Fake Fez. F squared. <laughs> Talk about FF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double like fake Fezzik, who was controlled like a puppet from by the real Fezzik, and Brad. Ken leans the same way. Up next, LSU at home at night, favored by 13 against a team that just had a home dog upset over Auburn, Florida. And we've got a double like, the two boys in studio. Ken, you start LSU. RJ, you nailed it, man. First thing, at night, LSU, Death Valley. That place is going to be rocking and rolling. And you got a young quarterback, Kyle Trask, going in there. Good luck with that. Got the home cooking last week against Auburn. That what does that out. mean, home cooking? Well, home So, cooking. by the way, just for full disclosure, one of your losses against me, I had Florida. You had Auburn. Right. Now he throws in home cooking. Are you trying to say something nefarious was going on? No, nothing nefarious as far as the officiating. Bo Nix, three interceptions, poor. How about Florida, though? Four fumbles. You do that in Death Valley, good luck. You're not going against a freshman So you're saying my pick one, even though we fumbled four times. Four times. You Brad, got doesn't four. that sound like a, a <laughs> no. great handicap? Yeah. You, you got four <laughs> takeaways. Very fluky, too. They had two big plays in that game. They had an 88-yard run, missed tackling at the end of the game from P. Ryan that changed that whole game. And Freddie Swain also on the second play from scrimmage for Florida got a broken play that turned into a touchdown. So two other touchdowns were rather fluky. Look, you got the W at the end of the day. It's on the scoreboard. It's out of the wallet, so got to take care of business there. But LSU, Joe Burrow, this guy is moving the ball up and down the field. RJ, almost 1,900 yards and 22 touchdown passes already. To go at that pace that LSU is going to go, Yes, Florida, your defense reputation-wise is good. Let's see you in Death Valley at night go against this pace of offense. And I think the idea of Florida having great stats and a good offense, but who would you say amongst their opponents is the not quality LSU? We know nobody. But who's been super fast-paced against Florida? Nobody. No one? Yeah, there's nobody. nobody. That's, to me, a key point. How good is Florida's defense – Looks good. How are they against someone plays this fast? We don't know, right? And thus, it's possible they're not built for that. They could. I think this is one of the ones you're saying, if Florida's D's as good as a seam against this kind of offense, the pace of it, this might be a coin flip. But there's a real chance, 20%, 30%, the D can't handle this pace or is more susceptible to being not being – Efficient, not being a quality D against this kind of – so I'm going to say if you run the option, there's a certain type of defense that might be great, but they're going to struggle with the option. Brad, you also like 
LSU here. Both you guys laying the lumber. This is rare. I like it. It's, it's not the duct tape shoe stuff. You think that the strength of schedule of the opposing offense is not just they haven't been used to the pace, Florida. You're saying they haven't really played anyone. Yeah, I agree. Because Florida, you know, defense, yeah, the stats look good. But, I mean, who have they faced, particularly at the quarterback spot? Miami, okay, that's a big-name opponent. It was a freshman quarterback making his first start. Bo Nix last week, another true freshman quarterback making a really you know big start. He'd played in A&M before, but still, that was one of his first games on the road in that type of atmosphere in a competitive game. Obviously failed. So, And Florida's played, yeah, you love this, RJ, FCS. Two, two of their opponents already this year have been FCS. Games. I don't even consider that football. No, <laughs> it shouldn't be. But again, do we really know how good Florida's defense is, especially against this type of offense? And speaking of this LSU's offense... There's been a fundamental change in the LSU offense. We've heard about it for about a decade. Hey, they're, they're, they're going to change it up. They're going to go up-tempo. They're going to go into the 21st century LSU. Finally, it's happened this year. LSU with a new, young, hot coordinator. He's the passing game coordinator. So when you say hot, what do you mean? Uh, he's not attractive. Hot as in... Uh, Why are you being so defensive? I no, no, no. I'm just trying. I used the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they call a it a good, Freudian slip. Freudian slip. But no, 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 he's not. I'm not afraid of the attractiveness, but he's not. So I'm uh, not repelled or attracted by attractive men. Brad Powers said that. Enough. So what you're saying is this young guy, he's not the coordinator, though. Yeah, he's not officially the OC. He's the passing game coordinator. You're hoping he becomes the coordinator. Oh, I, he should be. Well, <laughs> well, what's working? Let merit dictate. Yes, I mean, what's working for LSU? The passing game. Joe Burrow uh, has already exceeded LSU's passing stats that they've had the last five years for the full season. He's already done it in five or six games already. So this, this year. Burrow was with the Buckeyes, right? Yeah, that's right. The Ohio State University. Your throwaway, RJ turns into be LSU's guy. And as Brad will tell you, 200 to one to win the Heisman at the beginning of the year down to what? Four to one. Yep. So that's interesting. Who's having the better year? Ohio State's quarterback or LSU's? Well, he got beat out by Haskins. So yeah. he's been the LSU guy oh, for the so last two years. Oh, he got thrown around. Okay. Yes. I wonder, but who's having the better year? Haskins or Fields? No, I know Haskins. I mean, have Fields, the better year. Fields or Burrow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fields or Burrow, it's close. It's neck and neck. Burrow slightly maybe. You think? It's mm. tough. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You probably haven't been real objective with your high state analysis. No, I haven't. You're like 0 for 6 or something, aren't you? It's been not been a good look. At some point, you might think, I don't got this team figured out. I would agree with that. But instead, you keep just stubbornly. <laughs> who they got next week? Well, they got to buy this week. Yeah, who oh. they got next week? Northwestern. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah. We might have to get Fez yes. again here for that. It's a Friday night, too. Wouldn't it be wild when the fake Fezzik and Fezzik... Meat? <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Almost like the mega powers explode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fake Fezzik, unfortunately, said there's a contract dispute, and he's not going to do this game. <laughs> but he did have some notes here. He said that the pace is the key. And it's important. You know, that's something that the college bookmakers didn't get. Eh, probably about 2010. All these favorites started covering. And the old models, they couldn't figure out why, the bookmakers. And what they ultimately figured out was the pace of the game. It just makes sense. The more possessions, the more scoring, they weren't accounting for that properly. Thus, the leads were extending, and the public was winning. Yeah. We got anything else on this game? That's it. Up next, 
Wisconsin at home, laying 10 and a hook, 10 and a half, hosting the vanquished Michigan State. Buckeye said, get away. Boom, flick, gone, cover. We have two leans, but disagreement between Brad and Ken. Fake Fezzik still not in the studio. Ken, you only lean, but you've got Michigan State. Yeah, I lean Michigan State. Look, they hung in the trenches with Ohio State. They didn't get pushed around big time, but Ohio State kept expanding. Why? Because they have great quarterback play. Jack Cohn, the quarterback for Wisconsin, I don't see him making the plays that Fields can make. I do respect Jonathan Taylor having that breakaway speed. Yeah, but, but the line's the, only 10 and a half. And st- I mean, so. In the trenches, I see both teams running the ball a lot. The clock's going to continue to move. And Michigan State's not going to be out physical by Wisconsin like a lot of teams would be. And I think we're putting too much into that blowout win against Michigan earlier in the year. That game just got out of hand early for Michigan, found themselves down 21 nothing, and it just unraveled. I think we put too much into that game. Now, now that I agree with, and I agree with your whole handicap. So let me kind of re- recap the handicap, and you can tell me if this is right. One, Wisconsin had one of the most indelible wins of the season, if not the... I mean, what wins do we think of right now? Right? Yeah, that, I mean... That domination and yeah. what else? LSU at Texas, maybe? Clemson almost losing to North Carolina. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but that was one... I guess maybe let me be clear. What were the, like, this team is damn good. That is the one wins, this year. Right? Better than I thought. I think, yep. I think power ratings were probably adjusted in favor of Wisconsin more than any other game. Yes. Right? So you're saying we all remember it. We're human beings, except fake Fezzik, maybe not. And we overemphasize the extremes. One. And two, how does Wisconsin win? Physical domination. Michigan State, I mean, where does, does Michigan State rank? Are they more physical in the trenches than Michigan? I would say their defensive line is much better than Michigan's. So you're saying what Wisconsin was able to do running the ball, they won't be able to do against Michigan State, and their quarterback's fine, but not great. Yeah, that's that, that's a that's a good one right there. Cone is an he's a good guy. He's a good game manager, and he can make some passes, but he's got nothing like Fields has athleticism wise. And the reason you don't like it is what is, is respect for Jonathan Taylor. And also respect for the linebacking core at Wisconsin. Their top five tacklers are linebackers. It's hard to find a team in the country that has five linebackers that are all that all have more tackles than a DB or a safety. That's a very that's a big time rarity. Jim Leonard does a great job with that defense. So I respect the coordinator of Wisconsin. I think he's one of the top three in the country. Now the running back, though, if you just have a grind, grind, grind team and you've got a defensive line on the other side that should be okay with it. You love taking double digits. But the Wisconsin running backs got that skill set beyond just three yards, four yards. Right? Jonathan Taylor, yeah, he looks like he's going to run into the line of scrimmage for two, three yards, and all of a sudden you see him bust it out or get through, and he's gone. He's got that type of speed. He's got those moves, and he's got great peripheral vision. All right, so lean from Ken, Michigan State. That handicap is purely logical to me. It all makes sense. But, Brad, you're saying nah, nah, nah. I lean the other way. Yeah, I lean Wisconsin. You mentioned Ken, the physicality. I'm a little bit worried about Michigan State's physicality because they just came off a very physical game against Ohio State last week, and now they're facing a Wisconsin team that should be well-rested, tanned, and ready here. Six straight weeks sitting here at home off a game against a cream puff in Kent State. I, I'm worried about how Michigan State's going to hold up 
at the end of that game. They didn't hold up all that well against Ohio State last week. Now you're taking on another physical team. You'll love this, though, RJ. Here's why I don't like it. And it goes back to one of your favorite trends that I gave you this so far this year. Well, hold on. It's one of my favorite trends that came from you. Yeah. So really what you're saying is this is one of my trends that you've given proper accolades to. No, 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 no. It's my trend that you like, so I, I appreciate so, so that you so like that. saying it's your trend yeah. that I've given proper accolades to, meaning I've liked it, and you're pointing out not only that it's your trend, but also that it's gotten accolades. Yes, that's true. Continue. So teams that are laying more than seven points with a low total. What do I mean by low total? 43 or less. That's the case here. Wisconsin, 10-point favorite, total 39. How do those teams do? Historically, we're going through the entire database. The totals go back like 17 years. Those teams only cover 43% of the time, laying more than seven, total 43 or less. What's the sample size? Sample size is 400, more than 400 games. Now, this is different than NFL. People think the NFL is like that. It's not. This is one of those kind of, uh, I don't think robotics is the word, natural correlations. If there's less points, every point you're getting as a dog is more valuable. The NFL market seems to account for that. This market does it. Now, what I'm always interested in, though, markets mature, markets get smarter. What should the line be if it was just a pure power ratings? Mm. Because what I'm seeing from your power rating yeah, 12. is 6. about 12.6. Yeah. You have it written down here. Yeah. So when you were delaying, were you trying to come up with no, an excuse? Could, no, 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 no. I, uh, well, I had highlights and I couldn't find it. Okay. Because that's fine. Yeah. I was just making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying it keeps you off the game. So this makes sense. And you're saying your lean is Wisconsin because your power ratings say you think they're better maybe by yep. more than the market thinks. But you're saying, hey, this is a spot. I just can't play the favorite because of the total. Yeah, and, and that spot, as far as the power rating, is more like your average total. Average total in college football is 57. This is 39, so well more, what, 25% lower. So that's going to suppress that power rating. Yeah, and that's something in the off season we're going to attempt. Because once spreads get above 10 or even you know, 10, I think, in college, the power rating difference has to be crunched down because the yeah. theory is if Fezzik or, or fake Fezzik were here, Again, still no word. Go ahead. RJ, last thing I want to ask Brad, based on that Northwestern game, because they win that game by 15, but two touchdowns by the defense for Wisconsin out of their 24 points. So I'm wondering how much you downgraded Wisconsin to where we saw them destroy Michigan, but you were on Northwestern. You said they won't be intimidated. The Wildcats won't. And now I'm looking at Michigan State, Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern's better than North, you know, Michigan State, so I'm thinking Michigan State can go in there, have a similar type game, and hang So what you're saying is an extension to the fact that that win was too much in people's mind. They have a really bad game yeah. against Northwestern because when you don't cover, it's generally bad. But you're saying could have lost. It took two defensive yeah. touchdowns. So what kind of downgrade did you do? You recall? Um, point and a half, but that's in my power rating. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. But yeah. you think that's enough? Well, obviously you did at the time. I did at the time because I was on the Northwestern side. So I did, wasn't aggressive as the market. Remember, that was the game, RJ, where I said, ah, points don't matter. I'm going to take Northwestern. I mean, I gave you like three extra points and said, nah, it don't matter. So you're, you're talking about one of the games you won. One. At one length. Of the, one of the very few at that length. I won. Against, against me. Against you. But I, I'm a loser against RJ this year. And last year. And last year. I'm back under protest. 
No analysis in this game. Just to show these people how much they need me. I like under Michigan State, Wisconsin, under 39. A lot of you might say, 39, that's not a lot of points. Ha, under. That was it? Did you hear him? He said he's under protest. (laughs) Contract dispute. All right. I mean, he is a handful. Talk about a prima donna. I'm what I... (laughs) Next game. Notre Dame at home, favored by double digits. It's 11 hosting USC. Crossfire time, guys. Two on one. Andre the Giant style. On one side, Ken Thompson in his USC shirt. No sleeves. Maybe an inch and a quarter up there of sleeves. Or you wouldn't even call those sleeves. What are those called? Straps? Yeah. Almost, it's almost like a strapless dress. <laughs> I guess if you spend all that time in a gym oh. and fake Fezzik on USC, Brad Powers standing alone with his childhood hate of Notre Dame. Yeah, I like the Irish here, minus the, the 11 Or points. wait, not really hate. It's weird yeah. with you and Notre Dame. Sometimes you hate. How would you explain when you have them or, or when you don't? Oh, wow. Because when you don't have them, you seem to hate them. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like a first love or something. Yeah, that, that would be totally accurate. Go. Love the Irish here. And it's more of a fade against the USC head coach, Clay Helton. When he doesn't have the superior athletes, when he's his team's up against it, or at least, hey, it's comparable talent, and he's in an underdog in a bad spot, and that's the case here because USC's catching double digits. Clay Helton, as a head coach, 3-12 and 12 against the spread. 15 games, only three times he covered in the underdog role. Failing to meet expectations, that being the spread, by eight points per game, losing those games because we're dealing with a double-digit spread here by 15 points per game. Do not trust Clay Helton. Here's what I do trust. Wouldn't the right number be the ATS margin in those games? Yeah, eight points per game. And So why does the 15 mean anything? Well, because if they're a dog by three and they're failing to cover by eight. Yeah, but but that's all blended into the ATS margin, right? Yeah, that's true. So you're trying to say something for a fact that has no pertinence. That's true. And in a way, you're misleading the audience. I am. I apologize for your to the own, audience. For your own self-aggrandizement. Yes. Should have just mentioned the margin. Continue. I apologize. <laughs> I'll pay a fine. Here's what I do trust. And I didn't trust this at the start of the season. I was worried about the physicality of Notre Dame. But here's what I saw. Georgia game. That was my number one handicap for liking Georgia. Ah, Georgia's going to wear out Notre Dame in the second half. Well, A, that didn't happen. And then the next week I faded Notre Dame and said, hey, I'm worried Notre Dame's off a physical game. They're playing a physical Virginia team in the second half. Maybe Notre Dame wears out. What happened? Notre Dame was the stronger team in the second half against Virginia. They were the team that got after the quarterback and forced those turnovers. I think Notre Dame does the same thing here against two inexperienced quarterbacks for USC. I like the Irish. Both quarterbacks may be inexperienced, Fink or Slovis, whoever goes, but they gained experience. So we're not sure who goes. Not sure. Of Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And what's the upgrade, downgrade? I mean, Brad, do you make any adjustment at this point? Because you really didn't like the third stringer. I didn't. I and mean, you didn't like the second. It seems like, you're, <laughs> some, it's like you've been skeptical every step of the way. Yes, I have. But now it's a, it's a toss-up. Yeah, because, I mean, they both have Is it a same. toss-up? It's a toss-up. 
And Fink made mistakes against Washington, there's no doubt. Inside the 10-yard line, they turned it over a couple times. They were right there, not only to cover that game, but had a chance to potentially win that game if they don't turn it over. And they got off to a lousy start there. But I like that they did gain experience going to a rough atmosphere in Seattle. Going to South Bend won't be easy, but they had a bye to prepare. It's tradition. This is a big-time rivalry. And Helton, although he's scrutinized for not being a great coach and taking care of business at home, I think he'll have the guys ready. I think they've got the best receiving core that Notre Dame will have faced. Yes, they played Georgia, but this is not a good, experienced Georgia receiving core. In fact, it's probably the weakness on that Georgia team. If they're not going to get to the playoff, that could be their Achilles heel. You're going to face St. Brown, Vaughns, and Pittman Jr. All these guys have great size, great hands, and I look for Notre Dame to have trouble there because they're in the second. their secondary is rather banged up. They lost one of their best corners a couple weeks ago, and depth is what Brian Kelly just talked about yesterday, saying that depth in our secondary could be a problem against Southern Cal. I agree with them there. I think USC is good enough to stay within 10 points. That's what they need to do for me to get the money. And real quick, just posted an, just announced an hour ago, Keaton Slovis cleared to play from concussion protocol. He will start here, Keaton Slovis. So you that can't be bad. It can't be bad, no. I agree. That would be, I would say, uh, not a victory. for Victory? No, not a victory. Wow. I'm coming in. All right. The water's warm. I was going to do it anyway because here's what I noticed, Brad. You bet against USC every game, it seems like. You had him against Washington, or you yeah. had Washington. Yeah. You've been skeptical. Very skeptical. And it seems like they've overperformed because as much as you took your bows for the Washington cover, it sounds like the post-game analysis is USC should have covered that game. Yeah, absolutely. So, but still no reevaluation. Well, reevaluations on Washington who turned around the next week and then, you know, that looked like a fake team because they went and lost to Stanford. You're saying Washington... Man, that's getting confusing. That is very confusing. I don't think. I mean, I well, I look at the. Two, I mean, do we really think Washington's no good now? They've lost two games as a double-digit favorite this year. Mm-hmm. I would say that's overrated. Have you bet USC any games this year? Yeah, the opener, I lost. Oh, and then you got mad on it. Yeah, oh yeah, I did because I got ahead of the line by a touchdown. Still lost. R.J. Bell, <laughs> another, another ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's hear what he has to say. I hope we get some analysis. I've learned with humans, you have to put negative feelings behind you. So I am going to act like none of this happened. In my mind, I'm just going to close my eyes. It actually makes me talk different. And I'm closing my eyes and I'm saying it didn't happen. They didn't stab me in the back. They didn't disrespect me. No, no, forget it. It's like the playground. Oh, Here's the thing. Ideal time for a buy. Everybody knows there's a buy. If someone just says there's a buy, it's like, of course, doofus, there's a buy. But remember, USC had to play Stanford, physical, BYU, physical. He had to go all the way up. Who knows what's going on in Utah? And Utah and Washington. That's a physical run. Now, low energy. A lot of you didn't know this. The quarterback is back for USC. I had some inside early information on that. Brad, what do you think? Disagree. Not good for your bet, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> now, <laughs> here it gets a little more tenuous, but I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to read verbatim for my overlord, Fazek. Undervalued based on 14-point loss to Washington. Actually played Washington closer than the final score. 
Notre Dame is overvalued based on 15-point win versus Virginia. No reasoning provided. <laughs> Fake Fezzik out. Well, no. <laughs> I think the overlord was a nice yeah. touch. I'll just ask you guys this, though. You know what's funny? He's worked yeah. up right no, now. No, no, no. No, you just, are. You, you no, know no, you no. got I the worst of some. Would you like to subtract this bat? If you could nullify this bat. No, not you? at all. I'm going to double down. And you want you want to double it? Yeah, let's double it. I, I'm, I mean, this is between me and you. It's 400. Yep. Double down. And here's why. What was that line in that Washington-USC game? Uh, 11 and a half, 12. 200. Who's better, Washington or Notre Dame? Well, who was perceived to be better? Oh, I think Notre Dame right now is even Washington from a couple weeks ago. Oh, but what I'm saying no, easily, no. I, I would have had Notre. Dame, I would. Would you lay Washington? Remove that last game, Notre Dame or Washington? After what? Weeks. Yeah, but I'm saying prior to the USC Washington game, you still had Washington up on a pedestal. Nah, I still had the, Notre Dame at least a three point favorite. And, and let's be clear about something. That he, Brad just went to the Notre Dame game last week. He was there in the stands. He had to watch Notre Dame, and they destroyed his alma mater. Didn't give up a point. And so something when you're there at a game and oh, you watch a yeah. team. So you're saying you can avoid that oh. bias, Ken, and you can identify oh. in others. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So we're at 400. Yep. All right. Now, here's the interesting part. You're assuming USC doesn't get any credit for effectively, you know, overperforming on, during yeah, this run. I agree. So well, that was the only game. So it's price. I'm saying that that all oh, we're talking. You know that part of Fez's fake Fez's handicap is like oh SC's. You know they, they didn't cover the game, so maybe the market downgraded. I'm saying the market did factor it in. That's why the line's only eleven. I just I, who is no? What's Notre Dame's big win this year? Mm, Virginia. <laughs> That's their big win. Yeah, I mean, Where's, what, yeah. What's their what's Virginia's Virginia? better? Virginia's what's better? Virginia's ranking? They're higher than U.S.? I didn't ask that. What, what's Virginia's ranking? Uh, Virginia in my power rank is 24. Okay, so let me, t- let me ask you. Though. So you think if Virginia's Virginia better than play- USA? I do. If Virginia played U.S. Better quarterback, field, better head coach. Are you kidding me? All right. well, I, I, I bet everything on that. This is I think th- Virginia's not that good this year. Perkins is a great athlete, but the team, they're, not, they're so lucky they beat Florida State at home for the love of God. You know something? Are this you is why me? we have the green. Bu- oh, by the way, I didn't do another one for the extra two. This is why we have the green button. Now we move and see what happens. And next week we'll. And RJ, I'll say this. That Kirby Smart is <laughs> He's like, okay, a, but. No, listen, as good a coaching as Kirby Smart's done at Georgia, if he had to do it over again, retrospect, he is not playing that conservative BS that he played against Notre Dame. And let's be honest. I have no freaking idea how good Georgia is. That's right. I mean, so. You're listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Up next, Washington State on the road, favored by one Arizona State. We've got a crossfire, one from Dave Esler, one from fake Fezzik at the behest of Fezzik. They're going against each other. Let's get the boys in studio first. Can you lean Washington State? Give us the main reason. The main reason is the pace that Arizona State's going to see they haven't seen before. This offense that Leach is going to bring down to the desert. And they're going to have confidence as well, Wazoo. Why? Because Arizona State's only loss was in the desert to Colorado. Colorado, I don't think near as good as Washington State. I think Anthony Gordon, his receivers, 
are going to open things up. Borgie out of the backfield. He'll do what he needs. I do respect, though, Arizona State. They went to East Lansing, got a win. And Herm Edwards has done an outstanding job his first year in five games. This guy has over-exceeded expectations, so that's why it's only a lean on Wazoo. Okay, now, excellent. So what I'm hearing with the main reason you lean Washington State is because it's like the Florida handicap, that defense against LSU. They hadn't seen the pace. In this case, Arizona State hasn't seen the pace. We really don't know if they can handle it. Exactly right. And I think Wazoo learned a lot from their loss up at Rice Echo Stadium against Utah. I think they take that uh, wisdom that they gain, go down to the desert, and probably score enough to win. All right. Got Ken's opinion, lean Washington State. Now, Uncle Dave Ashler. Here's a man that's been winning since Moses wore short pants. Look it up. He likes, likes Arizona State. And remember, Fezzik, or fake Fezzik, his overlord, <laughs> Fezzik likes Washington State. So listen, and then we'll hear what fake Fezzik has to say. Dave Esler. Arizona State minus one over Washington State. The Cougars are in free fall mode. They don't have a good win, and they do have two brutal losses. ASU does not have a bad loss, and they've got two good world wins over ranked teams. The Cougs' once good defense isn't good. In fact, they're in the bottom 100 in yards per play, yards per game, points per play, and points per game. By contrast, ASU is in the top 15 defensively, points per game, and points per play. They're early, closer-than-expected games, I think, were a result of trying to break in a freshman quarterback. And this surprised me. They have a 13-6 ATS in the Pac-12 the last three years. Washington State is 1-4 ATS this season. You add in the 90-degree temps, which Washington State hasn't sniffed this season, and Wazoo falls to 1-5 ATS this season. And in spite of the recent market shift, I'm taking ASU minus one. Now remember, I have so much faith in Uncle Dave that I blindly bet all of his sides if they conflict with the other pros. It's one thing to bet against the market. These are the guys I trust the most. But I just think that Uncle Dave, at minimum, at minimum, and I think this is probably the case, not much more, he, he is not negative EV against anyone at Novig. As great as Fezzik is, as great as Brad is, Speaking of Fezzik, so I'm on with Uncle Dave, Arizona State. Very unwise fading me. Now, here's the thing to think about. I like Washington State. Now, Washington State's players, they're extra motivated because they had back-to-back losses, including blowing a 32-point lead against UCLA. Coach calling them, quote-unquote, dumb, entitled, soft, and happy. Well, that's the kind of teams I like to bet, seemingly. Hmm. Not sure this makes sense. They're dumb, entitled, soft, and happy, and that's who I'm playing? <laughs> well, I'll call him. But, hmm. And also, as you could guess, ASU's got to be overrated because I'm fading them. They defeated Cal by seven. And Cal played the second half without their QB. Huh. You add it all up. It's confusing, but I like Washington State. F. Dave Asler.
Wow. Wow. It seems like Fake Fezzik, when he doesn't have a great handicap, gets makes it personal. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot about him. <laughs> so, Brad, what do you think of this whole idea of Arizona State because they defeated Cal? When was this Cal game? Let's start. Uh, both teams coming off a of bye, so it was prior to bye, two weeks ago. Okay, so it was the last game. Yeah, last game. And what was the line in the game? Arizona State was a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And they defeated Cal by seven. Seven, yeah. What was the halftime score? Pull it up if you need. I think it was tied. All right. So as you're pointed up, our, one of our new admin, and I'm actually very excited about this. I think he's going to be a lot more, but we kind of have the Belichickian approach here. You come in, you work hard for very little money. Oh, it's not that little, but and you prove yourself. And in a Darwinian sense, the freaking sky's the limit. So, you know what we're going to do? We don't do uh, let the newbies on mic too much, but I'm a, I th- felt like he's been doing a good job. So, let's get the producer Mike up. And he did some research at my behest. I'm not an overlord or anything. And it was LSU because here was my concern. Whenever you hear. Not even the duct tape shoe guys, but the copy and paste before I have to go work my straight job handicappers that are kind of dying off, but they're still out there. When you hear it in their handicap, you got to worry about it because that means it's finally trickled down to them. LSU at night. Now, what we figured was the market would adjust like the NBA zigzag. Looks good that we were right. So McKenzie hit us with the numbers there. So LSU, with their famous uh, home field advantage at night, are 28 and six since 2013, but they're just 16, 16 and two against the spread at night. During wow! So day, straight up, it was first. It was straight up, very point, impressive. I, yep. Exactly break even, or not break even? Exactly 50 percent against the spread. How about the day? During the day, they're eight and one straight up and against the spread. RJ. Wow! So Brad, thank you, Mackenzie. So Brad, think about that. Eight and I mean small <laughs> sample. That's if stunning. It, if it was reversed, and plus, did LSU used to play this many night games? Meaning, if you looked at the percentage of night and day, yeah. was yeah. it always mostly night? Yeah. Since 1958, I think. Almost all their games have been at night, Saturday. At least 80% of them. So the theory was that those rare games that went in the day, those were the games. Let's think about this. That, that somehow the LSU was saying these are the least attractive, so yeah. almost like a day game in baseball. Here's the fundamental change, though. Now a lot of those games are being televised but at 3.30 on CBS, so now the big games are actually during the day. Which, you know what we're going to do? Because I always like to get the game by game. For next week, I'm going to say single, uh, what are they favored in this game? Uh, 13 and a half. Okay. 14 or less versus more, because it may be, that in the super competitive games where the crowd enthusiasm means more because they're going to be rocking, yep. they do well at night still, right? Yep. But you look at them overall, we're exactly 50%. Mm, that's strong. So back to fake Fezzik's thoughts, how it was tied at half? 7-7, seven, seven, yep. And let me think about this. <laughs> you're plus four and you're tied at half. Yeah. You've covered the halftime line. Yes, you have. And then you win by seven, so there's an 11-point difference, but somehow we're attributing that to... The Cal quarterback. Yeah. And he's not worth a touchdown, RJ. Well, what's, for half a game, if he's worth a touchdown for the game... He's a, he's so worth, how much is he worth? Three and a half points full game, so divide by two. 
That's a point and a half and then a quarter more. Yeah. 1.75. Huh. No comment. <laughs> All right. What do you think? We haven't gotten you on this. Yeah, I'm leaning Arizona State because, you know, there's been a line move here. You know, Arizona State was favored uh, early in the week, went cross right through zero, and now Washington State's the favorite. And I think it's being priced in the line, Fezzik's handicap. Everyone, It's getting out there that, oh, Washington State's going to be motivated. Why? Because Mike Leach called out his players, calling them fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. I'm a little bit worried about this. I Washington. think, I, just to be clear, <laughs> oh. it's, quote, dumb, entitled, soft, and happy. I pulled the exact quote, like, from the story, and it's <laughs> fake Fez. He's just he's manipulating the quotes to whatever. What, what was he? We actually, he has a verbatim quote. Really? Here's what I have. We're a very soft team, fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. That's the quote. Okay, so in a way, he he put... What he should have done was put each of the – because to pull out the adjectives is fine, yeah. but you should put each one in quotes. Yeah. He put the, it all in quotes, and he left out fat, mm. which seems like the one that would make his case the most. Yeah. That he's saying, I wonder why – was it his, like, <laughs> real wacky PC? Like, he's the most hardcore evil, give me the money, I don't give a shit about anyone else person. Dirty's playing the game. Yeah. But somehow he felt like if he said fat, he'd offend someone. Is it was that the thing? I don't know. <laughs> no comment. You know, on Wednesday, straight out of Vegas, I'm going to confront him on yeah. this. Why didn't he say fat? Because I'm I'm fascinated, aren't you? Yeah. yeah I don't know why he didn't put that in there. That was like one of the strongest adjectives. Yeah. So. This is kind of like one of those, like, you can't miss shows. But all joking aside, if you haven't listened, I, I really like what we're doing now there. And I liked it before, but I didn't really understand the difference between a podcast and radio and the pace. And to be honest, I probably, my intellectual side enjoys the podcast more. That's not a probably. There is something thrilling about that high energy, high adrenaline presentation too. You just can't try to shoehorn in a bunch of thoughtful stuff. And then when you do bring it down and get a little deeper, it really can have impact, but you can't do too much of it. Uh, but all you got to do, and actually our podcast listens for the Straight Out of Vegas have doubled over the last couple of months. So people love it. It's only 40 minutes. Commercials get pulled out. 40 minutes. It's a great kind of daily recap, I think. Brad's one of the... Uh, key anchors. You're there as my second most to me. Yep. You've only missed a few days. Yep. SOV straight out of Vegas, six Eastern, three o'clock Pacific, two hundred Fox Station. Also, FoxSportsRadio.com. You can listen. iHeartRadio app, podcast. Also, Sirius XM two hundred three most days, eighty three on others. Just search RJ Bell. If you haven't subscribed for the Dream Preview, subscribe. It helps. Get immediately. And SOV, you can subscribe. Let us know what you think. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, he's going to have to answer. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's not even like it's like a bad thing. I just, it's just why. I'm so curious. No comment. We done with this? Yep. So generally you're thinking lean Arizona State because of the line move. At the opener, you opener, were pretty yeah. much toss-up. Yes, I'm leaning with Arizona State, and I'm worried about this Washington State team. Okay, so, I mean, 
you got the head coach calling out the players. But then also during the bye, Washington State's defensive coordinator up and quit. Tracy Clays, who I respected, was a good defensive corner. They didn't drop off defensively last year after they lost Alex Grinch to the Buckeyes. I just think there's wow. Some, so what's the un, what's the underneath story of that? There, it hasn't broke yet. I just think there's some turmoil. I, I, here's what my do you guess: mean it hasn't broke. It hasn't like the the, the real the story. mainstream. Oh, okay. You're saying everyone's reported on it. Yes, but you're saying no one knows. But what could it be? What I'm saying is, other than Leach is is pounding his fist, the to the degree the defense coordinator says, "FS, I'm out of here." Yeah, well, I guess that'd be it then. Right, that could all. Yeah. I mean, it could uh, that or some rare, you know, or, or unlikely a true family problem or whatever yeah. is possible. But we're betting people, not yeah. likely. How could that be good? I, I don't think it because is. Because if Leach was a defensive guy, I would feel like, uh oh, he's taking over the yeah. D, like Belichick did this year. He's not though. And I will tell you this: here's one thing I know. This brand that Leach has gotten since he left Tech, which is kind of weird, it was so much more successful at Tech, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, relative to expectation. Yeah. I mean, when you make all those bowls like that down there, that was impressive. Yep. Plus, he was the only, like, I guess in a way he's kind of come off as the godfather of the spread offense because of some of his tree now. But then he wrote that book. He was on Friday Night Lights. If, if Washington State loses out even... How does it affect? I mean, we, Leach wants to win. Yeah, but is his job really in no, jeopardy? Not at all. Not off their best season in school history. It just feels like this is a guy that never was too emotional, which can be good or bad. Sometimes you need emotion to fuel you. I think. I mean, Belichick gets super emotional sometimes, and he's super cerebral. Others, it's just what is it called for? Do you have to show the other party how important this is? Yeah. I don't think Leach is ever much like that. As far as I hear about, I'm not saying never, but I feel like that, and I don't want to be ironic here, but you want to talk, I'm not talking about his shape, but the fat and happy stuff, I think Leach is the one with the least at stake here. And somehow if he left Washington State, there wouldn't be a bunch of schools at that level that would want him, right? Yeah, he's an acquired taste. No, but what I'm saying is that if he left Washington State, within a year he'd have a job equally as good. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's so many of these programs that are on the border of irrelevancy. I'd agree with that. That all of a sudden Leach is relevant. And, I mean, let's be honest. What's the legacy of Washington State before Leach? It wasn't a great powerhouse. No, not at all. Mike Price had some good years there. But other than that, I mean, it was by far the worst program in the Pac-12. Yeah, so the worst program and perhaps the worst Power 5 conference. Yep. That's what they were the last six, seven years prior to Leach. He couldn't get that kind of job again? Yeah, he could. Right? So to me, I'm not saying he wants that. I'm saying the sense of urge. Sometimes when you're – and I think Leach is one of the smartest head coaches. I mean, just pure IQ. And he's eclectic where he's not just football. Guy like that sometimes can abstract themselves from the results. It's, it's almost like these fan bases in the big cities – they don't go crazy like the college only schools do because they yeah. got a lot. You know, Colin always talks about they got the opera or they got other sports yeah. teams. I think Leach is kind of like that where if he has a bad year, he's going to look at it as white noise. He's going to think it's one long career. I don't care if I, you know, 
I don't care all that much if we make a bowl or don't make a bowl or whatever. Of all the coaches, he's in the top, you know, 10% of being like that. Has that been your impression? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he just feels like maybe if he has to, if the DC leaves, I mean, is the guy that was behind him seemingly better? Then why was he behind him? I agree. So unless the head coach can take over, I'm always concerned. Now, when the head coach can take over, sometimes those players say, "Uh uh-oh, daddy's here. Boy, that seems like it came out late in the handicap, it seems like, at least around this table. (laughs) Well, I I was the only one that mentioned it. Late? Yeah. It it was the last thing you said. Yeah. Doesn't that seem like the biggest deal? Yeah. Like, if we of all the things we heard, if we had a stack rank, and let's stick to around this table, Dave is recording – in a vacuum. He's not here benefiting from the conversation. If we redid this game, what would be the... the that would be one. And what would be two? Would be the, the the quote of Leach after the last game. Which kind of is connected. Yeah. In a way. Because it let, he's saying, I'm... He's saying there's... In a weird way, him saying that, isn't it a cue that there's fundamental problem? Like, I would rather the coach... Now, listen, if the coach is given BS... You know, corporate speak. Well, we're trying our best. We're trying to learn from the past, and we're putting it behind us where necessary. Ugh, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But if someone's going to talk honestly, wouldn't you rather the coach say, I think the breaks have gone again? Listen, some of the mistakes we caused, but the fundamental, like some, a sincere positive comment, wouldn't you rather that so much more than a sincere negative comment? Yeah. Because Leach is telling you in a weird way, I don't want responsibility for this team. Isn't he? Yeah. He's saying it's on you, the players. And they are defective. Dumb. That's a type of defect. Yeah. Entitled. That's a generational. Yep. Remember the hardball stuff. Is this yeah. Does this work today? Hmm. Soft and happy, ironically, at the end. Dumb and happy and fat. Yeah. <laughs> What's the great line from, what was that from? It was Animal House, right? Drunk, fat, and stupid's no way to go through life, son. <laughs> it's pretty much this. Yeah. I bet he's kind of saying between the lines here, they're probably smoking a bunch of weed too, right? <laughs> How could that be good? I don't think it is. You know something I'm thinking about? I'm going to text Chaz, or I'm going to text Fezzik and challenge him to make this $1,000. I like this. <laughs> what? I like it. It's the way I roll. Hold on. Do do do. Well, why don't we? We'll start the next game. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna do this. He won't take it, but it will show his weakness. <laughs> Florida State, Clemson. Oh, you better defend Clemson here, Brad. I want to <laughs> really hear from you. Twenty twenty-seven. What do you got? Yeah, I do lean with Clemson here, minus the 27, RJ. And I just think there's an overreaction to Clemson's struggle against North Carolina. And what I did, I went back the last three years and looked at Clemson. And this is a team that's lost outright as a three-touchdown favorite to Pittsburgh, to Syracuse. As a three-touchdown or more favorite, lost the game. Nearly lost as a three-touchdown plus favorite against Troy, against NC State, and against Syracuse even last year. And yet, In each and every one of those years, when it was all said and done, Clemson was in the playoffs. So, yes, very bad performance against North Carolina. I downgraded Clemson two points from that performance. But to me, it feels like the market downgraded them even more. And for that, I lean with Clemson here minus the 27. 
Okay, so Clemson, I mean, you've had some distance from that game. You had a downgrade I thought was insufficient. Have you rethought, like, where's your head at with Clemson? We already talked. You still think they're slightly be- They're still the second best team in the country. Still have number two. Bob. What's their most impressive win? Probably at home over Texas A&M. Yeah, okay. A game they didn't cover, but probably should have. <laughs> All these stories about <laughs> yeah. who should have. I mean, do you see the folly of that at any yes. point? I mean, it's like all going to even out. Yeah. So spend your energy somewhere else. I don't know. How's that quarterback doing? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence vastly underperforming, at least compared to expectations. Expectations being this is a generational talent. You mentioned it. You know, Colin Coward said, hey, it's John Elway, it's Andrew Luck, and it's Trevor Lawrence. Well, here's 2019. SAT test. Which one does not belong? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence right now. 62% of his passes. Eh. Here's the big one. Eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Keep in mind, last year, the entire season, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions. He's already thrown five this year. Yeah, and again, a couple tip passes on that. It just, it just seems like the entire – and I, that's why I love the blended stats with QBR or whatever, it, where he considers everything, right? He's 14th. In the, in the country. In the QBR, yeah. And you would think with a, do, with a dominant team around you – I mean, think of all the Danny Canal types that had pretty good numbers with dominant teams. <laughs> You're around. pulling that one. I like that. Right? Yeah. All right. Here's what I sent Fezzik. I love Arizona State over Washington State. I'm challenging you live on the pod to make it for a thousand UN question mark. Thousand dollars is a cool G, as we call it back home. Are you at liberty to play for that, Stanley? Would you prefer to play for Smiles? Well, we got the two hundred, regardless. I don't think I think we're gonna. It's gonna be curiously no response. He won't say <laughs> no, and then when I ask him on the radio, I'll ask him yeah. both. He'll go, Ooh. "Oh, I didn't see that till the next morning. I was playing with my kid." Guaranteed, he'll bring he'll, that'll he'll, that'll make a major bet on. You agree? Yeah, because his kid could be in another yeah. state on some <laughs> kind of a school trip. He's gonna say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Now, one of my theories to wrap up this Clemson Florida State, and I just talked about it, these five-star recruits and when they're disrespected, what is left of Florida State? We know when you blend it all together, considering all, given the givens, how good they are, or at least we have our assessment. Yep. Part of me thinks, almost like some sports movie where there's a guy who's in double A or something, and then one of the kids goes, you see gray man, gray beard over there? He was in the show. And, you know, somehow, some way he blew out his knee or who knows what. And now he's got one game left in that arm. If you kind of scrub past the tarnish of this season, last season, what's left? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Jimbo, the freshmen are new recruits, the sophomore are new recruits, meaning this new regime. So literally, Jimbo Fisher... Coming off his best years, right? Oh, I guess he had one okay year at the end, but I mean, Brad, you were you had the Jimbo Fisher Fisher uh, bobblehead, right? Yeah, or yeah. until his up, last year. Yep. Think up on the wall or what? Don't say to his last year. Yeah. At some point late in that year, you yeah. might have jumped off. I agree. The last three games at Florida State, <laughs> yeah. I was off. So the case could be made that a team that was recruiting as well or in the top five. Yes. That's where the seniors and the juniors. Yep. 
I have no doubt some of them felt didn't work out. But isn't there more talent to hear than a 27-point dog? You would think so, yes. But you lean Clemson. I so that, that answer, you would think so, tells me nothing. <laughs> well, you would have thought so last year when they lost on their home field 59-10 to 10 to Clemson. It was their worst home loss yeah, in, but, in but school that, history. I mean, Huey Lewis style, that's one game. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, wouldn't the question be, how can Florida State be this bad with those recruits being seniors and juniors? I, and I think you got to break it. I mean, I think this is one that got to get studied, as in how look at the recruits. Why? What was their ranking in the last two years? Why did they get ranked highly? How are those players doing? Maybe two blew out their knee that aren't big. I mean, like, what do you have? Obviously, your depth of knowledge is strong in college. What, do you have any sense of that now? Here's what there's one position group that's really holding Florida State back where they didn't recruit very well at and they lost some guys via transfer. One guy went to Alabama. It's the offensive line, which last year was arguably the worst offensive line out of any power five offensive line in the country. And this year's group is better, but it's still well below average offensive line. And against a Clemson who lost a lot on defense, but how's that D-line now? See, here's the thing with Clemson. I, all the talk is about Trevor Lawrence struggles. The surprise for Clemson has been statistically on defense, Clemson's better. Points per game allowed, total yards per game allowed, yards per play allowed. Clemson is better than what they were a year ago, and the expectation coming into the season was, hey, they're going to take a step or two back on defense. That hasn't been the case. So specifically, though, D-line, they had an all-time D-line. They did. Talent level's down a little bit, but, you know, rush. The D-line's performing. D- very much so, yes. So the theory is can't throw from your back because it strikes me that a team, it's kind of interesting, these different dynamics, a team that's playing a really good team like Clemson. Yeah. If you're bad at the O-line, that seems like the worst place to be bad at. I guess that or the D-line, it's kind of funny. It's always the line. Because if they can just score, we were talking about Georgia, by running the ball at the middle, you're going to get margin regardless. Yeah. And if you can't def- if you can't throw or run without a good uh, or a relatively good O-line, an effective O-line, what, what can you- if somehow you're beat on the outside, you can hope to play some exotic zones or maybe tip a few pat. But how do you how do you combat? That would be interesting saying if the only thing we were grading – was line against line, line against line, both directions. What is the the spread on this game? Mm. And if we did that for every game, it'd be interesting to figure out when the main spread, the real spread is different than this line versus line spread. And, and what are the cases of that? I bet some are justified and some aren't. Sometimes it's just about, that'd be, because to me, this feels like it's just about the line. Yeah. The offense, the line is about the line. <laughs> Coined. Yeah. Trademark. All right. We got a. You want to talk about a rip roaring end of the show? We have not a best bet with a like. It's a best bet, then a best bet on the same side, double best bet and a like too. It's a triple shot of love. Best bet, best bet, like. And also, Brad Powers. <laughs> He tries to keep the streak going. Okay, double pass bat coming up. Wow. This is going to be exciting. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. 
Go, Brad, go. I am going Stop. With- Stop. <laughs> we got to play this for you, buddy. <laughs> that was fun. How does The Rock do it? Is that what you think? It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Is that the only context he would use it in? Yeah, a lot of times. Is that what you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he'd start like, yes. like oh, mom, mom, mom. yeah, yeah. I mean, I usually don't play this, but I mean, Brad, just for you. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. <laughs> and let's try to get a winning streak going here on Best Bets. I'm going with Iowa plus the four here. Here's what I see with Iowa. This is a stadium and a venue, Kinnick Stadium, that doesn't get the same respect as a Death Valley at night or an Alabama or Ohio State. But the reality is, this century, Iowa as a home dog since 2000, 70% against the spread in the home underdog role. That's not too shabby. Sample size? 22. Now, day-night split. Do not have that information. We wouldn't expect it to be... Worse at night, but do you feel like this talk about better at night? This is going to maybe sound a little square, but, I mean, if memory serves correct, I remember a lot of their big outright upset wins over Michigan a couple years ago was at night, over, like, a top-five Penn State team a few years ago at night. All A lot of those night games were at night. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't like to promote myself, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to tweet out after pregame research the LSU numbers we talked about, but then kind of a world premiere of the, I don't have them yet or I'd give them the Iowa numbers and it'll be interesting. I think obviously the 70% though, yeah, very impressive in all get or all, I'm sorry, day and night, but as a home underdog here, they're four. And his second reason for me, Penn state, very impressive team so far. But are we really sure how good Penn State is, RJ? This is a team that hasn't played a single team in the top 40 in my power ratings. And the best. So who's the best team they play? Pittsburgh. And I'm glad you brought up Pittsburgh. What happened in that game? Penn State nearly lost outright on their home field as a two touchdown plus favorite. Pittsburgh, instead of going for, you know, possibly the win in the game, decides to kick a field goal at the end. They miss it. So that was even a misleading game that they only won by seven in. And finally, third, I don't mind playing. On Iowa's quarterback, Nate Stanley. Here's a guy coming into last week for his entire career. 60 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. So 60-16, about 4-1. to Four touchdowns, one interception in his career. Last week, worst game of his career. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions. I think he's due for a bounce-back effort here. I like Iowa. What does that Iowa. mean? What do you mean? Do. I mean, you do realize that's like a, I mean, like. I got I, a guy that's at, this is a historic no, level. No, no, no. I yeah. agree with you that if you say we got a history and this is the level. Yeah. And you're saying it's four to one. Four to one. TD to interception. If there's two scenarios, scenario one is it's the next game and there hasn't been any aberration. It's just pretty much steady Eddie, four to one every game. Yep. The other scenario, he has a horrible game. Which one would you rather bet that he's going to have a game up to his historical standards? Probably the steady Eddie. Because the theory is there's a small chance. There's a small chance that he has an injury or maybe he's having a broke up with his girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Right. And otherwise, I don't see any. Now, you could make the other side, which is. I think when a team's been sloppy 
and it's something that's about focus or discipline for a stretch, like teams that tend to fumble in the NFL a bunch, extreme amount in one game, don't fumble the next game because that's all they're talking about in practice. So to some degree, if you felt like this was an ongoing problem, maybe the extreme result could make the focus help you. But in general, now another thing it could make what you say makes sense, and again, I like the handicap in general, is if the market really adjusted because of the recent game, and you're thinking it's an aberration. Yeah. But just assuming that, do you feel like, what was the look-ahead line in this game? Look-ahead line, well, I mean, because Penn State exceeded expectations. Ugh. I can tell you the summer line had Penn State. Well, that doesn't mean anything. What was yeah. the, the I don't, look-ahead? I don't know. Oh, I don't you don't know. have the, yeah. okay, the game of the year type stuff. Yeah. Because, I mean, the line's gone up. Penn State opened two and a half, or, you know, with yeah. the Sunday nighter. So in a weird way, the fate of Iowa makes sense, yeah. meaning meaning the public saw the bad performance. Yep. Because let's be honest, Michigan has a stink on them. If you lose against Michigan and you don't cover, it's going to put a stink on yes, you. Yes, I agree. So I, I think the value's with you. Yep. And part of that is the interception. I guess it's built in. And you're saying, I don't think he has any chance. Uh, I don't think anything about this Michigan game says anything about a bad performance here. Yes. Shifting gears. Penn State is, what, third on the ATS margin list or fourth? Yep. So they, they just had a bunch of blowouts. They did. They had, some bad they had two. Idaho, they beat by 70 in a game that they were, you know, favored by 40. So that was 30 points. And then against Maryland, very good performance, favored by a touchdown, one by 60. So those two games. And keep in mind, other games didn't cover against Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is a Fez special. They covered as, as a big favorite against Buffalo, but it was one of the more misleading covers of the entire season. Okay, so I think that all makes sense. One last concern is Iowa beat up. They played a physical game, a defensive struggle. They beat up. I mean, not a lot of players are on the injury report, but it's certainly a concern. I mean, was Michigan that physical? Because, I mean, they, they, were, got, they here, got so out the, physical. Here's the biggest concern for me. Last week, Penn State, 10 sacks against Purdue, one off a program record. What did I? What was Iowa's biggest problem outside of the quarterback? Why did he throw three interceptions? It's tough to, to throw touchdown passes from your back. Iowa's quarterback got sacked eight times. That is the biggest concern for me, Penn State's pass rush against an Iowa offensive line that was exposed last week. Okay, so interesting stuff so far. Uh-oh, Fezzik has responded. That's the first upset. <laughs> Verbatim, I love Arizona. This was my text. I love Arizona State over Washington State. I'm challenging you live, as I said, on the pod to make it for 1,000. You win. Sure. Fezzik. Mm. I say, you sure? Question mark. Because I want to beat, I don't want to beat him out of weakness. He goes, my brand says, let's do it. Which is code <laughs> for, uh-oh, I'm scared, but I don't want to seem scared. <laughs> but he's not here, yeah. so tough break. It's a thou. Yeah. You like my side. You want a couple hundred on that? Sure. Yep. You want two? Yeah, 200. I mean, I think we really uncovered. Yeah. 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 All right. When we started, right when we started the best bets, Ken was late for the radio show, his. So we recorded him real quick. Well, he was, he, he was quite lo- loquacious, as they say. <laughs> but let's just say you're not going to you know, want for 
<laughs> words. You're not going to want for words. So, Brad, obviously, Iowa, best bet. Let's listen to Ken's thoughts on Iowa, your pick. Here's the thing. I agree with you 100%, Brad, on a lot of the points you made. But I'm telling you, Iowa at home, Kinnick Stadium at night, to me, that was the first thing. When I see a Penn State team go in there all fat and happy and they're unbeaten, you're going into a very rough environment. So Iowa home and night, like LSU, you think is a big difference? I do. I think it's a major difference. But is that something the market thinks about? As well? I don't hear Iowa at night. No, not, not like LSU. We're going to have to look, out, look that up. Eight sacks they gave up last week against Michigan. Three interceptions for Nathan Stanley. He will rebound. He will have a good, solid game. The environment will be totally different. And Penn State, yes, they went into Maryland. That team was overrated off a couple wins against weak teams. And Penn State went in there and destroyed them. Penn State doing a nice job. Clifford's a good, solid quarterback. If Penn State wins this game at Iowa, I will totally look at them differently going down the stretch. But I think they get short-circuited here. I like their team so far, K.J. Hamler. There'll be concentration from Iowa's cornerbacks and safeties on that guy because he's head and shoulders above anybody else on Penn State's offense. Iowa takes care of business. They win this game outright, RJ. I will not short-circuit no matter what. Who are you talking about when you say that? Oh, sorry. All right. It's going to be unanimous. <laughs> Man, I always have trouble with that. I have trouble with that Unanimous. Word. Unanimous. Yes. Yep. Unanimous. See, I try to say it too fast. Unanimous. Yeah, you got it. It's just my, my blazing fast mind. <laughs> Sometimes my mouth is a little behind. You know what's funny? When I'm drunk, which is rare, I don't, I mean, probably once a month I'll have like three beers and it gets me drunk these days. It used to be eight. <laughs> Back when I was a guy in high school, <laughs> I talk 100%. I guess it slows my mind down. <laughs> Fezzik, oh, wait. Fake Fezzik wants to do it. Against my better judgment... I'm going to share an advanced concept with the people. (laughs) This is called a correlated parlay. C-O-R-R-E-L-A-T-E-D. Now, Iowa plus four with Penn State under 41. I expect the struggling Iowa offense to get 17 to 20 points. The question is, whether I was D can shut down Penn State. Penn State's offense has been explosive versus bad teams. However, Pitt was able to hold them to 17 points and only 222 yards. What was that show, Room 222 or Room 220? <laughs> you ever? That was no. way back. It was like before my time. <clears throat> anyway, if Iowa covers, I expect it will be due to them holding Penn State to 21 or less points. And do the math, dum-dums, 21. Oh, (laughs) do the math. 21 plus 17 is 38 under. You know, that was pretty good. Yeah. Because that's the question. And it's an interesting way to look. It's a little different than I usually do. If this underdog covers or, you know, this had good, what's going to cause it? Is it, what's more likely? Is Iowa's offense going to exceed by 10 points, you know, because what you can do, so the total in this game is 41. Yep. 
So what you do is you take the total, and most of you guys know this, 41 minus 4, 37, correct? Yep. And then you divide that by 2, so that's uh, 15, 16, 17, oh, 18, 18 and a half. And a half. <laughs> Listen, bro, I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> All right, so now let's just call it 18, and then you add four points to the favor. So the projected score, the imputed score is 22, Penn State, 18, Iowa, correct? Yep. Now, what seems more likely? Penn State, and let's assume they exceed expectation. Penn State winning the game, let's say by a touch, let's say it's a seven points away from expectation. So we'll say 25 to 22 Penn State, or I'm sorry, check that, Iowa. That's scenario one. Okay. And scenario two would be Iowa winning 18 to 15. Scenario two, much more likely, 55, 60% likely. The theory being, it's more likely for Iowa's defense to step up. Yep. And thus, there's a correlation to the under. I like how you just did that. But it, it, he presented, I mean, fake Fezzik, let's give him credit. I mean, guy's smart. I don't yep. like him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on with him. Yep. <laughs> He's a lot like Fezzik, let's be honest. <laughs> it's like Fezzik on two wine spritzers. Yeah. That's where the dum dum slipped out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always hi- hiding his disdain for Dumby. <laughs> it's always funny when he, I tell him to slow down and explain it. He'll go, "Well," and then he'll talk like it's a child. Yeah. <laughs> or the guy Don't, from a mice and men. Yeah, like you, <laughs> a literary reference. Yeah. So now. <laughs> you don't want to touch the hot stove, son. You know, it's like that kind of... <laughs> that's it. But, boy, I hear 18-15. I'm thinking, that seems too low score. But I guess the total's that low. Yeah. So you want to add, sprinkle a little on the correlated? But it won't get in the way of your best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. All right. Interesting stuff. Next up, this is what we've been waiting for. Ken's best bet. Fezzik's best bet. Same. And Brad, you like it. Let's listen to Ken. Yeah, I like Texas a lot. This is my best bet. This is a rivalry that I've made money on over the years. Why? Because they keep giving Texas too many points. Oklahoma wins games, but Texas wins me money. Sam Ellinger, veteran quarterback now, good solid offense, and they get Colin Johnson back. That's huge to help the receiving core. Duvernay's been doing the bulk. Eagles and Smith are pretty good. But getting Colin Johnson gives me that fourth guy there for Ellinger to get the ball to. Oklahoma? Win against Houston, South Dakota, at UCLA, Texas Tech, shorthanded, and at Kansas. What do we make of Oklahoma? How good is this team? Where's a good team on that schedule? Houston, maybe at the beginning of the year. We thought maybe Texas Tech or UCLA would be better, but they're not. So now we find out what Oklahoma has. With pressure on Hurts, we'll see what he's made of. Can he throw the ball the way he's been putting up these incredible statistics early on? I don't think he can. I think this is a one-possession game one way or the other. I think Texas, if they are in this game in the fourth quarter like I think they'll be, will have a chance to win it outright, RJ. Okay, that's strong. And here's what I – or a strong opinion. I'm not sure how much I agree with it. But I know that it's dominance from the experts here. I do want to make a point that I think you're so right on. And, Brad, you made this point. You guys, I think, both did on the radio, yeah, is the following. Just like Kentucky, and I, I remember that clearly, had a quarterback switch against, was it Florida that came yep. in? 
and Florida was about a seven-point favor on the road, yep. if I remember. And you said, my power rating is even, but I think this quarterback's going to hurt him. It's like, what? And the rationale was the type of quarterback you need is a seven-point home dog, is mobile, and if you're just a pocket guy, the better physical team yep. is going to be able, in that case, Florida, to stop it. You get a little random. You turn the table over. Who knows what happens? I hear a variation of that theme. Texas's power rating is probably in line with this, right? I mean, yep, what's your absolutely. power rating? Say? 11 and a half, Oklahoma. Okay. But you're saying the type of team that Texas is, is a team that might make some mistakes in some other spots. They might lose that road game they're not supposed to lose. But if it comes to getting out physical, which Oklahoma will do against a lot of teams, even teams that they're 11-point favorites in a neutral one like this game, Texas will, because of their other deficiencies, their power rating says only 11, but because of their athleticism, Oklahoma won't have the dominance they typically would when they're favored by this much. Absolutely. And that's, a, that's a great point. Most teams go in to play Oklahoma nowadays not to get embarrassed. Texas is going in there to win the freaking game. So it's not just the physical. They're, they got the same level of recruits. They also have the confidence. And yeah. one thing I see, when you have five-star, three-star, whatever you call them, recruits, when they're a big dog, they've never in their lives been a big underdog, at least on the athletic field or, yeah. or in the field of athletics. So they think take it as an affront. They're mad. I hear all the time they're being disrespected. I think it's usually BS. I think this is a a time when these great athletes, these great recruits that's underperformed somewhat, feel disrespected, extra motivation. Yep, absolutely. Okay, that's one. Ken's best bet. Brad, you only like it, and then we'll close the show with Fake Fezzik. I like it. Fake Fez has been the star of this show. Here, you know, I agree with a lot what Ken said there. Here's the one thing with Oklahoma. Yes, I, I think they've exceeded expectations so far this season. Jalen Hurts looks great. In fact, Jalen Hurts' offensive numbers, at least through the first four games of the season, was better than what Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield had. And defensively, Oklahoma looks improved. But with that being said, RJ, Oklahoma hasn't played a single team in the top 50, top 50 of my power ratings so far. So I'm not you know, 100% sure really how good Oklahoma is. Here's what I do know at Texas. They do have one game against a top five legitimate team against LSU and pretty much met expectations. We're a six and a half point underdog in that game against LSU lost by a touchdown. So they met expectations in that one. But when it comes to expectations, Texas has exceeded expectations against Oklahoma. Last seven times they played, Texas is 6-1 and one against the spread, average cover by 11.5 points per game, and here's the thought process. Yeah, Oklahoma has their way with most of the Big 12. Not only can they out-athlete the, their opponents, but obviously they're just a matchup problem for those teams. They can't cover them in space, and then on top of that, Oklahoma's already bigger and physical and stronger, and they can run on those teams in the second half. That hasn't been the case against Texas. Texas has the athletes to cover Oklahoma in space, and they're not going to get out physical. I like Texas here. You know, this harkens back, I mean, because it's an echo of the handicap in, in, of last year yep. where the question we asked was, Oklahoma dominates the Big 12, struggles with really good teams outside of the Big 12, which team is the least like a Big 12 team other than Oklahoma? And it's Texas. Talk <laughs> to you next week. 
Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.